Hi, and welcome to Clear Studies. I am your host, Bishop A. Reginald Littman. Be sure to subscribe so that you won't miss new episodes as they're loaded. I am so delighted to welcome you here. Be sure to check out my brand new podcast called The Clear Studies Podcast. It is available on Spotify and wherever podcasts can be heard. You'll find a link in the description below. We're continuing this week on the life of Joseph, and we're talking about surviving shattered dreams from Genesis chapter 37. Today's subtopic is the brother's depravity, the brother's depravity. Let's begin by looking at the first couple of verses in today's passage. Genesis 37, verse 18 through 20. From the Living Bible translation, it reads just like this. But when they saw him coming, recognizing him in the distance, they decided to kill him. Here comes that master dreamer, they exclaimed. Come on, let's kill him and toss him into a whale and tell father that a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what will become of all of his dreams. Wow, what a terrible life that Joseph experiences with his brothers. But even in the midst of a terrible life with people, God has a terrific plan for your future. If you're taking notes or if you're completing your outline, we'll look at letter A to begin with. Verse 18 through 20, we see the brother's plot, the brother's plot. Now, when Joseph arrives in Dothan, he's on assignment from Jacob, his father, who had sent him there to check on his brothers because he knew they had a tendency of getting in trouble. When they see Joseph coming, they begin to hate him even the more. They had planted seeds in their heart that had now fostered into fertile soil and had grown to a desire to murder their own brother. Had these men arrested that sin when it first began to grow in their hearts, this whole episode would have been avoided. But as you know, they did not. Instead, they allowed dislike to grow into full-blown hatred and a desire for murder of their little brother. The true nature of these men is on full display in these verses, isn't it? First, they have a desire in their hearts to kill Joseph. They hate him so much that they are willing to put him to death in order to get rid of him. Then they ridicule him because of the, his words. They call him this dreamer. There is not a hint of brotherly love in their voices whatsoever. They are so calloused that they want to kill him and toss his body into a pit. They even devise a plan to cover up their deed. They believe that they can derail Joseph's dream if they simply kill Joseph. And these men have no concept whatsoever of the sovereign power of the Most High God. They didn't understand that when God's hand is on your life, it doesn't matter who rises up against you. God will always prevail in the end. And of course, this is what Jesus would go through when he came to the earth. John 1 and 11 reminds us that Christ came to his own and his own did not receive him. The people that Jesus came to save rejected him and they hated him because of his words, according to Matthew 26. They rejected his message and they desired to see Jesus dead. They believed 
that killing Jesus would put an end to his message. But boy, were they ever dead raw. Oh, they saw to it that he died all right, but they couldn't see that his death would accomplish more than he did in his life. They could not see that he would get up from a dusty grave three days later and declare victory over death, hell, and the grave and set free all who would believe on him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But you know something? We would all do well today to examine our own hearts. If there are seedlings of sin that are beginning to grow in our souls, they need to be removed right now. If they are left alone, they will grow into mighty trees with deep roots. Getting them out of your life will be hard work. But not doing so will leave incredible damage. Remember Song of Solomon 2.15. Solomon tells us it is the little foxes that destroy the vine. Now let's pick back up in Genesis chapter 37 and look at verse 21 through 25 from the Living Bible Translation. And it reads like this. But Reuben hoped to spare Joseph's life. Let's not kill him, he said. We'll shed no blood. Let's throw him alive into this well here. That way he'll die without our touching him. Reuben was planning to get him out later and return him to his father. So when Joseph got there, they pulled off his brightly colored robe and threw him into an empty well. There was no water in it. Then they sat down for supper. Suddenly they noticed a string of camels coming towards them in the distance, probably Ishmaelite traders who were taking gum, spices, and herbs from Gilead to Egypt. When we look at verse number 21 through 25, the A clause of verse 25, we discover Reuben's proposal. And it's very interesting because Reuben displays his nature as well. He is weak and he vacillates from one position to another. He's like water, totally unstable. On the one hand, he has more reason to hate Joseph than any of the other brothers. Why? It's because he knows that Joseph has been chosen to take his place as the head of the family. On the other hand, Reuben knows that he has a responsibility to at least try to protect his little brother, if it was possible at all. And he tells the rest that they should not kill Joseph, but just throw him into a pit in the desert and let him die, either by drowning, if there's water in the pit, or die of starvation and thirst. And of course, Reuben is planning to rescue Joseph when the other brothers are not around. Again, the hatred of the rest of the brothers is evident in the fact that they were willing to go along with this plan. What a wicked bunch of men this was. Imagine having a family like that. Let's pick back up now with Genesis 37, verse 25, the B section through verse 28. And it reads like this. 
Then they sat down for supper. Suddenly, they noticed a string of camels coming towards them in the distance. Probably Ishmaelite traders who were taking gum, spices, and herbs from Gilead to Egypt. Look there, Judah said to the others. Here come some Ishmaelites. Let's sell Joseph to them. Why kill him and have a guilty conscience? Let's not be responsible for his death, for after all, he is our brother. And his brothers agreed. So when the traders came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the well and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And they took him along to Egypt. Wow, this story completely twists and turns from one direction to the next as we look at the depravity of Joseph's brothers. In these verses that I've just read, we see Judah's plan. Judah's plan. These men are so calloused that they throw their brother into a pit and then sit down to eat lunch. Imagine being able to eat without a conscience. There's no record of Joseph crying or begging for help in these verses. But according to Genesis 42 verse 21, it makes it clear that Joseph cried out and they turned a deaf ear to his cries. Apparently Reuben had to leave and go somewhere and take care of something, or maybe he stepped away from the scene for a moment. And while he was gone, some Midianite merchants passed by. They're heading toward Egypt to sell their wares. Judah convinces the other brothers that they should at least not kill him, but sell him. Perhaps he thought they could just simply make a profit off of him and get rid of their problem. After all, he says, verse 27, he is our brother. What an interesting place and time to remember that Joseph is their brother. And the rest of the brothers like this idea and unanimously agree that that's what they're going to do. Joseph is sold for 20 pieces of silver, according to verse 28. You may find this startling, but 20 pieces of silver at that time was the price for a crippled slave. His brothers sold him like he was a piece of trash. And they sold him for eight ounces of silver, which in today's economy might amount to $98.24. Their brothers are so emotionally desensitized and so filled with hatred for Joseph that they sell him to the merchants and watch him hauled away as a common slave while they ate lunch together. Psalm 105, 17 and 18 tells us that Joseph's experience as a slave was anything but pleasant. Can you imagine watching your brothers as they look over at you being hauled away as a slave and they're eating lunch? Again, Joseph is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Joseph, Jesus was hated by his brethren. Like Joseph, Jesus was betrayed by someone who should have loved him. Like Joseph, Jesus was betrayed for the price of a slave. Thank God 
He loved us so much that he endured the shame and hatred and still was willing to die for people like you and me. Well, finally, let's look at Genesis 37, verse 29 and 30 from the Living Bible Translation. It reads like this. Sometime later, Reuben, who was away when the traders came by, returned to get Joseph out of the well. When Joseph wasn't there, he ripped at his clothes in anguish and frustration. The child is gone, and I, where shall I go now? He wept to his brothers. Now in verse 29 and 30, we see Reuben's panic. Reuben's panic. And as we look at Reuben's panic in verse 29 and 30, we discover that when he returns, he finds that Joseph is gone. And he panics because he knows that his father will blame him. Reuben has already been on the outs with Jacob ever since he committed adultery with his father's wife, Bilhah. And these verses give us just a little bit of hope that Reuben might just be maturing into something that resembles a leader. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching as much as I enjoyed delivering it to you. By all means, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Hit the bell notification and join the E-Class so that you can receive free PDF colorful handouts to help you explore the text and delve deeper into your own application of the story. Hey, I look forward to sharing with you in the next episode. God bless you. I believe with everything within me that every believer wants to grow in their study of God's word. There's so many obstacles, however, that can present themselves that keep us from really studying like we should. There are time factors. And then sometimes there is just the lack of simplicity when it comes to reading or even being taught the Word of God. That's why I created a platform called Clear Studies. What is Clear Studies? Clear Studies is a platform where you are a part of an e-class. And each week I send you a link to a 15-minute podcast and a 15-minute video. That way, whether you're an auditory or visual learner, you're covered on both ends. The podcast is something that you can download to your device and listen to it when you get ready, when you have time to do so. It may be midnight, it may be three in the morning, it may be during your lunch break. But to accompany the teaching, each week you also will get a colorful PDF handout that is virtually a transcript of the teaching. So you won't miss a single word that I have said in the video or in the podcast. But beyond that, it comes with discussion questions that are simple yet provocative that will enable you to think your way through that passage and apply it to your everyday life. It's something that you can share with your family, with your friends. You can even create your own discussion group about each week's lesson. I want you to be a part of my E-class. I want you to grow in the study of God's Word. I don't want you to miss out on what God is doing and on this divine opportunity to grow, to study, and to learn with others. There'll never be an embarrassing moment where you're asking a question in front of the group or where you put on the spot 
it's just like it's just me talking to you and then God talking to you while you're studying on your own. If there's ever a question, you can always email me. Why don't you join right now? Clearstudies at gmail.com. Just send an email and say, sign me up and we will add you to the E-class. And you can join scores of other people around the nation who are being blessed by these brief but impactful teachings.